Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. Wow, so it's the uh, Cellar Dwellers back on the air again, and this is Dave Nelson, and I have with me uh, the other guy, uh, Tog, say hi to the listeners. Tog is down here in Arizona. This is our first uh, remote show. Actually, I have to say, I, I kind of like not seeing you while I talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you apparently like torturing me as well, because while while I'm dealing with 52 degrees and rainy here in wonderful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, I get this text message, and it's like 103 degrees there in uh, lovely Phoenix, Arizona. Well, it, it's uh, it's only uh, what about 10 after six here, and uh, it, it is down to 89 degrees. So. Oh. Um, I am feeling so bad for you there, passionate one. Well, I'm, I'm a little pissed off. There's three clouds out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's welcome to the show uh, Carl the Great Man from uh, Cleveland, our Cleveland Connection. How are you doing, Carl? Hi, guys. Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we're so, we're so great, man. Good to have you. Oh, we're so glad you're back with us. Uh, so, so this is a um, sort of an unscheduled special edition of the Cellar Dwellers. Not that we ever sort of uh, tell our listeners uh, with more. When, when did we ever schedule anything? We right, did? exactly. This is another spontaneous show. Okay, so uh, let's just put that out there. Uh, Carl, how's the uh, how's the 2009 grape growing season looking? Well, it was sort of, it was sort of interesting. Um, you know, with the way the economy has it. <clears throat> it had some major effects on uh, Napa. There seems to be a good amount of grapes available in Napa this year at a somewhat of a reasonable price. Um, Central Valley is uh, became quite strong and held um, pretty good values where that was traditionally pretty weak because of, uh, I think, the demand on the um, lower, lower medium-priced wines. Uh, but in general, the quality seems to be excellent. The harvest in general was thought to be about a week, week and a half beyond uh, the average. Um, it seems as though Paso Robles is still is holding to that. They're probably going to be about two weeks later than average. Uh, Sonoma, which was really interesting, up to about uh, about a month ago, was predicting um, fairly, uh, well, maybe about two weeks late. Um, as it's turning out, they might be up to almost two weeks early. They had um, some unpredicted hot weather, a long spell of it, up around Geyserville and um, in Dry Creek area, and um, in Hillsburg. And um, uh, what's happened is the grapes are uh, well. We anticipated one of our one of our growers. We had anticipated a harvest date of late, probably uh, between mid to late October. And we're actually going to be harvesting um, as early as this coming uh, weekend. Uh, grapes are already 25, I think 25-1 bricks. Wow. wow. Yeah, That's so it's really, really interesting. What what happens in a growing season that would make it uh, two weeks later than usual? Uh, just just the, you know, typically Sonoma right now would be getting a lot of, a little bit more cloudy, cooler days. And a lot, just it's just really the heat and the amount of sunshine, and they just had a tremendous amount of it in the past couple of weeks. 
Oh. Uh, I think if you look, if I, I one of my growers sent me the forecast over there. It was uh, almost every day was a hundred, close to a hundred or a hundred plus. Oh, so those wow. uh, those grapes just matured, and it's very very unusual for Sonoma. Like I said, this one particular vineyard, uh, their typical harvest date is the 25th of uh, of October, and that then we're going in this weekend because he's already again he's already at 25.1, and uh, Merlot is I'm sure even maybe a point above that. So and that that's the cab. Uh, so it's an unusual year. Um, the foothills is sort of on track, about normal. They're going to be ready. We'll be getting some stuff out of foothills around the eighth to tenth of October. Um, that's that's about average. Uh, and in general, the, the quality seems excellent. Seems like it's uh, everything I've seen on Lota. I haven't seen any Sonoma grapes yet. Anything from North Coast, but uh, in general, the, the grape quality seems to be really good. Now, just as a reminder to folks, uh, Carl, 2008, um, uh, I guess early on in the growing season there in Napa, Sonoma, there was a a frost that wiped out a good deal of the crop, and so it was very hard to get, uh, you know, reasonably priced, excellent quality uh, Napa, Sonoma uh, last year. But you hooked me up with uh, one of the most interesting grapes that I've ever had, uh, the Cabernet out of Washington, was absolutely perfect from a, a sugar and acidity level. And so it was one of the few times in my uh, winemaking history where I didn't have to actually adjust, uh, you know, either, um, you know, to, to boost or ameliorate uh, excess sugars or even uh, add any kind of, uh, you know, tartaric acid or anything. I mean, it was just, it was perfect right on. You got some great uh, Washington grapes there, and I just went uh, went to town straight away with, with what you sent me. That was a really it was a really good experience. We've done a number of years, done a, you know Washington State over the last number of years. Um, I tend to go, you know, as as a staple, sticking California. But as you said, with the frost uh, last year, some vineyards were especially the foothills and some parts of uh, Sonoma were 30 40% off off their normal harvest. Um, but this year, again, with the qualities up, just to give you an idea, this particular vineyard that I was speaking of that's, that's ready a few weeks early is 25.1 sugar. Um, I think TA was around 0.67 and uh, pH 3.4948. So um, I'm pretty happy with what we, you know, what we can get. The key is obviously getting it off the vine fairly quickly before those numbers change too much. Yeah, well, those, are, those, are, those are definitely nice numbers, though. I, I got to say, I'm I'm excited with what uh, what I'm hearing. And you're saying just because of the uh, the recession, maybe um, for us home winemakers, we're going to be able to get uh, some pretty good grapes out of uh, Napa, Sonoma, and and even Paso Robles. Uh, uh, Central Valley. They're pretty reasonably pricing. Pretty reasonable right. pricing. Yeah, they're, they're oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to ask something here. <laughs> I'll watch out, Carl. When I, when I can't give Dave a dirty look when I'm not in the studio with him, I got to. I have to just speak up, which is, you know, hard to do. <laughs> yeah. I got three questions for you, Carl. Number one, the 08 uh, vintage, as a vintage just even from the, the pro level, um, it, it was tough for us home winemakers to get a hold of good grapes. But did that mean uh, that the the concentration of the grapes from the growers to the to 
the professional uh, wineries, was it was it better than usual, average, or below average? Second question is, um, what happens? Is it the heat and the dry weather late in the in the harvest in the season that concentrates the sugar? And the third question is, I was I never even thought of the economy affecting wine because. I'll pay my wine bill before I pay my electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> right, it definitely affected Napa. Um, the the issue why I never go, to, I never uh, look too much into Napa is because the first of all, the Napa prices are probably about uh, half. Uh, they could be four or five thousand a ton up there pretty pretty regularly. Um, yeah, fact, I, don't, I don't think we've ever had anything from Napa from you, have we, Dave? I, 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 I I've, I, over the years, we've picked up occasionally some Napa product, but uh, what I want to say is that for the most part, even if even when Napa prices off um, close to fifty percent in a lot of cases, because again, they're they're the market for the you know the market for the fifty dollar, forty dollar, thirty dollar bottle wines is down quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously, it's it's a lower it's the lower bottle pricing that's really doing well. But the issue for me is I can go to Sonoma, and I can get what I could call like an ultra premium product out of Sonoma that would easily compare to almost anything in Napa, um, and that's what then and and get some decent pricing on, um, and then that's what I've done historically over the years. Um, so again, that's uh, that, that's why I typically search more into Sonoma because again, the pricing is more reasonable. But you got to remember, part of part of the the process is the fact that uh, much of because of this sort of overabundance of grapes, we're still as home winemakers benefiting from it. Uh, many of the grapes, this particular vineyard I'm speaking of right now, I'm sure that the bulk of the vineyard sold for. Um, as much or more than what we're going to be selling if the grapes back in Cleveland, and that's after picking, packing, and you know, and, and shipping and refrigerated trucking back to Cleveland. So oh. we're getting, we got some really good deals out there. Um, the other thing now, about the, if I may jump in, uh, Carl, just for sure. a minute for the for the benefit of our listeners, uh, let me just say that uh, the passionate one, the other guy, Tog, and I have been uh, buying grapes from you uh, for years. We're based here in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but uh, as anyone who's been in home winemaking for a while knows, you can't, well, let's say you can make bad wine out of good grapes, but you can't make good wine out of bad grapes. And so we've, we've always pursued the very best grapes that we can find. And uh, what, uh, what, uh, what the other guy and I love about Carl is he's got... Uh, these connections in California to uh, phenomenal uh, grapes. And uh, as uh, Carl has just alluded to, Carl a great man as we call him, um, the, the wineries have to lock up their, uh, you know, their production uh, well ahead of time to make sure that they can meet their commercial demands. But in any given year, um, at least uh, years like uh, this one, and and maybe many years past, save for 2008, there's um, you know more inventory, if you will, than uh, uh, is spoken for. And so Carl, uh, having been in the uh, business for a long time, has an ability to play that spot market and acquire some very high-end grapes for some very reasonable prices. And Carl, that's what I love 
about dealing with you. You you have the ability <laughs> to connect with people who have this super premium. Oh, we have had some great Cabernet or Syrah or Zinfandel or Merlot or you know several other varieties, and and we've really dealt with the reds over the years. But uh, it seems you can uh, access some just phenomenal grapes, which make uh, you know wines that, uh, as as our uh, friends have said, are you know comparable to what might be twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars a bottle. And uh, you know we're dealing with grapes that are only slightly more expensive than your you know your your run of the mill. Yeah, and well, definitely. Just to add to that real quick, definitely. Uh, Anyone within a few hours' drive, even of, of Cleveland, is definitely worth uh, worth uh, checking out, Carl. And we'll get uh, your number and everything be, uh, during the show here for listeners to, to check into. But Carl, let me ask you this: If someone, Dave and I, typically are buying, um, you know, pallets at a time, anywhere seven, eight, nine hundred pounds of, of grapes. But if someone wanted to get some high quality stuff, what's what's the smallest by weight that they could get? I mean, you know, like the the 35-pound boxes or whatever, could you get like, you know, 10 of those? Or can you get down into the like three, 400-pound range? Well, I'd mean, be happy to sell someone uh, one box. That That's not an issue. We typically don't, a lot of the stuff out of Sonoma now, I've been, it's a little bit more expensive, but we do have been using some plastic packaging that allows for better pre-cooling and keeping the grapes at a um, better, better temperature than putting them in the half-ton bins. Um, I've been doing a lot more of that, and I think the only thing we're going to get in half-ton bins this year is going to probably be, be for the most part, foothills. Wow. Okay. Uh, but so yeah, and we do have you know we do have a large platform scale. So uh, for whatever amount, if someone wants a hundred pounds or someone wants a thousand pounds, we can easily accommodate them. Oh, that, that's good to know. But I want to say one thing in addition to you know, I, I really appreciate the fact of that you say we, we I do shop. I, I do try and pride myself on finding the best value for people, but it's a, it's sort of walking a tight line because you have farmers that have worked hard and to, to um, you know, put a good product out there, uh, oftentimes limited on the amount of tonnage by the winery that then just all kind of limitations and still struggle. So you're, you're, you're caught between trying to get people the best price and best value for their best bang for their buck, if you will, but also uh, keeping a little respect there for some real hardworking, quality, quality farmers. Uh, and yeah, that, that's so true across the board for farmers in general. I mean, uh, uh, I know some farmers in some areas in California having some real tough times now with water issues. And uh, but you're right, you you want to you, you want a good value. But gosh, those guys work uh, their fannies off, and they they deserve to make uh, you know a reasonable buck for it. Exactly. But I want to mention. I just want to mention one other thing. You mentioned one thing about grapes too is that uh, once they grow, once the heat, like in Central Valley, sometimes they'll hit 104. The grapes actually become somewhat dormant. Uh, in the 90s to 90s, they really get a lot. They gain sugar real quick. But oh, some okay. about 100, 100 plus, um, 105 plus sometimes over there and. And they'll actually become dormant, so they they will shut down. I think you were talking about the, obviously because the um, <clears throat> the the heat will, um, you know, it will gain sugar and obviously loss of moisture, and uh, and and then you get your concentrated uh, flavors, and and also high higher higher sugars, 
and then obviously you lose your your acids and your pH changes and everything else. So it is critical this year that we're going to be in a we're sort of under the gun here that harvest, especially out of Sonoma, is going to be very um, very quick. It appears, uh, although it did cool off from what I understand for until this weekend, and then there's another short heat wave coming on. It's a question of how hot and how long that is as to what's really going to happen this year up there. Carl, but, i got to uh, say, will. The, the 05 and 06 uh, vintages, we had some uh, phenomenal uh, Cabernet, yeah, especially awesome. from... Both those years, we had some awesome wines. From yeah, the, the, I know you got us some uh, wine or grapes from uh, Lindy Vineyards, and uh, just in general, the quality of what you've been able to get us. And this is my main message to anyone who's out there as a home winemaker. You know, you're putting all this uh, uh, work and labor of love into it. And, uh, you know, why why go with grapes that are, you know, 80 or 90 cents a pound when you can get super premium that might be, you know, buck thirty, buck forty, buck fifty, you know, whatever a pound. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, what does that work? What does it work out to instead of three dollars and fifty cents a bottle? You you have five dollars a bottle. Well, yeah, you know, it's, my it's, math. It's still, need to not get to the top quality stuff. You know? Yeah, my math says uh, typically three pounds of grapes makes one of your you know seven hundred and fifty milliliter <laughs> bottles of wine, and when you're putting that kind of effort into it. Uh, you know, to have something that's a super premium that people say, you know, just, not just, wow, this doesn't taste like homemade wine, but wow, this is comparable <laughs> to the best wine I've ever bought from, you know, the from the store, you know, spend an extra, you know, a few cents a pound because uh, that's, that's where, you know, for me, the payoff really comes. Hey, I want to um, add uh, one uh, gentleman to... Uh, to the show here. Let me see if I can uh, welcome uh, our friend Jerry, who uh, has also been a frequent customer of uh, Carl. And by the way, for people who aren't so familiar with their geography, you know, sort of like me, didn't pay attention so much in elementary school. You know, we we put in a good two hours each way to drive from Pittsburgh to Cleveland to get grapes from Carl, and it is it is well worth it. So if you're anywhere within, I'm going to say. 150, 200 miles to Cleveland. Uh, you should be looking up Carl the Grape Man. Hey, Jerry, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Oh, you're sounding magnificent there. <laughs> hey, Carl, how are you? I've been trading a few emails with you this season. Doing well, Jerry. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you soon. Yep, we'll be up. It'd be good to get uh, to. We'll have to find out from you kind of exactly when the different varieties are coming in and, and, and dates. I, I heard you talk about Sonoma coming in very early. Uh, what about Sonoma? Everything's, everything's starting to roll pretty quick now. Everything's, okay. you know, Central Valley's sort of finishing up, and, um, you know, the foothills will be starting next week. Uh, Sonoma, um, you know, I, I may do a little bit in the lower part of or just below Clear Lake Red Hills of Lake County. But um, that I think we have a pretty good selection this year. And, and again, Alexander everything Valley mean, or Dry Creek? Yeah, we'll do a little. I got some Alexander Valley booked also. I got some, uh, so we'll, we'll definitely have some Cabernet from there. Um, Serrata, Dry Creek, Cabernet out of um, uh, Dry Creek. It's just a really good selection and real good quality. The Serrata of Dry Creek, we've uh, we've had. Uh, and that's just some of uh, our favorite wine uh, that we've had from your grapes, Carl. Just really, really great stuff. 
I have a, I have a favorite vineyard there. Um, it's all, it's Susan Lentz. I was going to say, and, yeah, um, the, the gal, the, yes, that, that's exactly right. She's, we've had some of our best wine from. She's fantastic. Just it's a, I, I don't know <laughs> don't know what what little trick she's got in her viticulture, but her Shiraz is <laughs> just so fragrant. Uh, you know, Shiraz is great anyway, but hers just is head and shoulders above everyone else. I'm just so pleased with her. Well, I'm hope, I'm, I hope her little microcosm there is uh, uh, has a good year because we really look forward to her her uh, product, her grapes. Yeah, to, uh, right. Tog, that's what they call a terroir. I'm sorry. Aren't you feeling, do you have the swine flu there? What did you say? <laughs> and by the way, for anyone listening in, we're recording this on uh, a, a beautiful, uh, well, rainy, cold. Okay, so not so beautiful. Uh, truth in advertising. Uh, Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, September 29. Uh, Tog, you're coming to us from. Uh, Sunny, uh, the you know, valley of the sun. Yes, the valley of the sun. We're down to 87 degrees at six uh, six thirty. Down, right? down to. We haven't seen 87 degrees here in about two weeks. And in, in well, I don't think we saw 87 all year in Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, the temperatures have been below normal. I don't know about this global warming thing. Not to sort of stir up any kind of politics, but man, it's been a cold summer here in Pittsburgh. And but, of course. Carl, the great man, coming to us from uh, Cleveland, and uh, Jerry chiming in. Uh, Jerry, you're probably on the road, but somewhere over there towards Monroeville, huh? I am. I am uh, finally made it home. I was on the road before. Ah, well, coming in oh, okay. loud, loud and clear. Carl, um, Petit Sirah? Uh Petit Sirah, we have, uh, that's some, you know, that, that that's one of the ones that's just wonderful out of Lodi. There are some great values in Lodi, and Petit Sirah is one of those. Uh, you can, and one of the issues with that is because the bulk of it is is some old vine that was, you know, just been around for years and years and years, and it's uh, you're getting a little petite serrata lodi, you're getting one of the best values. So it's, it's almost like old vines in um, out of lodi. For somebody who's looking for a great value, you just can't beat beat those two uh, varietals. Ooh, uh, hey, but we will have some also. I got some uh, some um, Petit Syrah, uh, Cab Franc, and um, Zinfandel also scheduled out of the foothills, too. The Amador, when that should be, um, uh, again, around the 7th of uh, October, should start rolling in. But, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to have to leave you this evening. I hate to do this, but my kids, i got to give them, they have another school day tomorrow, and I, I'm behind. I get them to bed. Um, but I do enjoy uh, speaking with you, and I hope I've been able to answer some of your questions. Yeah, and, we appreciate um, it. Real, real quickly, uh, why don't you give us uh, the, your phone number and an email address for folks to get in touch with you? Sure, sure. Our phone number at, at the uh, Grape Company is 216-451-8697. Uh, should you have a problem with that, you can always call my cell phone, which is 216-598-0504. Email address is um, uh, cnccita at aol.com. Um, and we're located in Cleveland, Ohio at 15741 Mandalay Avenue, uh, just about eight miles east of downtown Cleveland, off right off Route 90. Uh, but again, gentlemen, thank you very much. And um, we're looking forward to a great harvest and uh, being able to offer you some real good products. So hopefully we'll see some uh, some of you down there. 
Oh, you'll definitely see us in the next uh, one, two, three weeks there, Carl. Thanks so much oh, for joining on, on the show. Okay, thank you. Keep, keep a lookout for someone that can throw a football up there in Cleveland, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a little low. Okay, have a good evening, everyone. Okay, bye-bye Take now. Take care. Uh, Dave, Dave, prices just went up, I think. Yeah, apparently <laughs> you, just, you just totally uh, hurt us big time there, passionate one. Uh, I'm going to ask you, now, have you, you have some good experience with Petit Sirac, because Dave, I think that's one varietal we have not, uh, we have not dabbled in. We haven't, and we've also, uh, you know, frankly stayed away from that, uh, the, the variety that's been so popular since the movie uh, Sideways, uh, what, four or five, six years back now, uh, the, uh, the, the Pinot, um, now, Pinot is a very fragile grape, and so there's a certain logic to it, uh, to steering away from it as a home winemaker. But uh, you're right. Uh, Jerry, have you have you had any experience with either of these? No, actually, <laughs> I haven't. I really enjoy Petit Sirac, um, and so, but I have not personally made it. So I've, I've been kind of looking out for that. Now, when he talked about it coming from Lodi, I, I wonder, because I'm not, I wasn't, I didn't know that he was able to get kind of what he calls a super premium out of Lodi, but you know he mentioned it's a maybe a special case because it's an old vine. Uh, yeah, well, Lodi, he certainly Lodi is um, uh, you know uh, excellent uh, when it comes to uh, certain old vine Zinfandels, right? Uh, and so that's something that you might want to try out of that uh, you know that region. But uh, the neat thing with Carl is uh, you know you can pick up. Uh, as small as you know, 35 to 40 pound batch, and uh, that's practical for experimenting. So, um, passionate one, I think we should try that this year. Oh, I do too, and I'm sorry you had to leave early because um, I was going to ask him uh, if we got really crazy, Dave. I mean, just trying to get your your nose out of the number book there. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 you're going to get really crazy compared to like usual. Yeah. Hang on, yeah. folks. <laughs> Hold on to your I, chairs. I, I was wondering what he would recommend for. I'd really love to try some white wine this year. Ah, there you go. We, we have not done that, and it's uh, obviously we, uh, as most folks know, it's uh, a different technique and process. But um, uh, I have had some uh, homemade wine, white wine, that was just excellent. A friend of mine from the Pittsburgh area, from the North Hills, in fact. That was just the, probably the best homemade white wine I've ever had, and uh, I got pretty excited about it. I'd really like to try our hand at that. And like you said, what's nice is, um, you know, you don't have to make a thirty-gallon barrel of stuff. I mean, you can, you know, just try to do a, a, a two or, or five-gallon carboy of it, which would be great, I think. Yeah, uh, Jerry, have you ever made white? I mean, I Passionate One and I are all about reds all these years, but uh, you've made some whites. I have. Yep, I have. Um, and you know, um, Todd, you mentioned that the process is different. Well, really, not, not not radically, right? The only difference is in terms of the crush and press. I mean, you, you're going straight from a crush um, into a press as opposed to fermenting on the skin. So that, that's really the only significant difference. Of course, when you go to balance the wine, you, typically the whites are uh, a little higher in acidity. And I, I have... Uh, as a result, I haven't made whites from grapes, so I've decided. You know, I decided in the cases where I made whites not to bother with grapes, just because, you know, wasn't going to ferment on the skins. 
so I've just gone with juice, and that's that's come out quite nice. I mean, uh, some of the best wines, white wines that I've made, are were out of out of uh, Cleveland and Erie, in terms of French hybrids, in particular Vidal. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Vidal. It's not a vernifera; it's a French hybrid, and uh, that can come out very nice, really. Uh, you know, especially if it's finished. Um, as opposed to super dry, it can be finished kind of, I, I call it off dry, not sweet, but with like 1% residual sugar, and it can be uh, can be pretty nice. Kind, well, of, cool. kind of like a, kind of like a uh, uh, German Riesling as opposed to a French Riesling in terms of the sweetness level. Yeah, yeah which, would, which would be nice. But the, the, the thing is, uh, for folks to know, if you are going to make white from, uh, from the grapes, you're going to have a lot more work ahead of you um, at at crushing time to crush, and then uh, we have found that, uh, gosh, um, the pressing process is actually probably our most time-consuming. Don't you think that? I mean, the crushing and the stemming with a, a good crusher to stemmer is basically as fast as you can dump the grapes into the thing and uh, get it into the fermentation vat. Um, but then we'd have to obviously be taking that product, that um, and pressing that uh, right away, and getting that into uh, another fermentation area. So and it's, it's tough, tough, it's tough like to press. To it's also it's also um, harder to press freshly crushed grapes because right, you know, right. You're, uh, that's what I was going to say. It seems like you know that just there's not a whole lot of juice there. there I mean, there's there's juice obviously, but not like after it's fermented and right. the cap is, is correct. Has formed. Yeah, that's yeah. why I went. That's why I went with juices. So I've I've either purchased buckets. Um, of juice from California, um, particular Lodi. So I've purchased, I've done Rieslings, Chardonnays, and then I've I've done some of the juices, uh, the French French hybrids from here locally. Oh wow, wonderful! Did you did you buy anything from Peter Brem, or was it just uh, no? I haven't. I actually yeah. haven't done a white from Peter Brem. No, that would be that would probably be the way to go because he's gonna he's gonna get you a really. Uh, Super premium stuff. You're right. Yeah, I, I like uh, I like your thought. And just to, by the way, share uh, a couple of comments uh, that are coming in here on the chat on uh, Talkshoe. Um, we have a uh, a gentleman uh, guest nine who's apparently listened to the show over the years, uh, chiming in with, uh, you know, he first said, "Yeah, I miss you guys," and then, "White wine has Tog gone over to the other side." And uh, Bike and Fool is chimed <laughs> in saying the right side. And uh, Dave uh, is coming in from the U.K. saying uh, uh, that he'd read, uh, not for home winemakers, but uh, reading in the U.K. that uh, it's likely to be a bumper crop there uh, in the U.K. Uh, for uh, wine grapes this year. And Gaston is coming back in with uh, saying it's the benefits of global warming and and Tog, I'm especially uh, gratified to, to share with you that he didn't say human-induced global warming because I know we go off in a totally say a global climate change. Yeah, there there you go, <laughs> there you go. But uh, uh, lots of listeners chiming in here, including uh, uh, Dave from uh, UK. I do believe that. Uh, uh, a couple of these other folks, including Heron Stone, is uh, all, are also from the UK. And Mark has said, "Got to sign off, going to the Seattle Mariners game." So we got a fan there from Washington, uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, hey, you know what? It's nice to be back on the air, folks. Yeah, it is. Dave, uh, just to clarify, um, the fellow from the UK. Did you say 
the harvest in the UK or in Europe? Well, I, I missed that. Well, you know, he wasn't uh, specific, but saying a bumper crop that he read uh, in the UK. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm guessing they're covering something that's probably European. Uh, you know, it's classically your French and German grapes that uh, are. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. We got Shiraz <laughs> chiming in here saying. Uh, global warming is caused by all the CO2 blowing off of our fermenting grapes. So <laughs> it turns out that's that's where the problem is coming from, guys. <laughs> Uh-oh, a bottle of wine is going to be $500 soon. Exactly. And Bike and Fool is asking, why would anyone vote for the Mariners over wine? And, you know, that's a darn ah, good question. Excellent point. <laughs> what kind of political things going on tonight? And so it is. Uh, but you know what? I'm I'm so excited that uh, we've got more grapes coming in. And, you know, last year's uh, grapes from Washington are working out really well. But uh, based on what Carl said, I'm really excited to get back to the California, uh, you know, maybe some Central Valley, uh, you know, something like the Zinfandel or Petit Shiraz or Syrah. But, uh, you know, more so the, uh, you know, the Sonoma and uh, some of the great uh, cabs and, and uh, uh, red varietals we've had from up there. Jerry, look, just real quick, because I'm, I'm going to keep pressing uh, the numbers guy, Dave, on this white wine idea. <laughs> what else is new? Did you, did Take you it find, away there, uh, dog. Did you find the chemistry to get more difficult with it as far as, uh, TA and, and pH and um... no, no, really not. I mean, once you once you go, once you're to the point where you have the juice, you know, so you press and you have the juice. Um, as I mentioned, white wines typically have, you, you do want to have a, a slightly higher uh, TA than than a red wine. Uh, but other than that, there really isn't anything. Now, the other thing to look out for is you know normally I don't, I don't know about you I think I don't think you guys filter at the end I know I don't we I don't mean, we don't yeah that, that, that's what I was going to ask just as far as yeah, color so that's there. that's another step right so I've with red wines I'll do multiple rackings and it comes out you know perfectly but with white wines typically you want to maybe use some type of a fining agent um, and I know you you've had folks talking about uh, on your show um, I think it was Dave if I remember uh, talking about how he you know, used egg whites to help fine. Uh, you can use bentonite. You can use other types of um, other types of kind of inert uh, agents to help fine the wine. But then you can go a step further and, and pump it through a filter. And I've done all of that, and that can be a real hassle, to be honest. So, uh, well, yeah, I, I really don't make many whites, um, but yeah. you know that can that can come out. They can come out very nice. Hey, yeah, uh, we, we, a little bit of racking, uh, you know, where you sort of siphon it off and leave the leaves on the bottom there, and you're probably fine. I, I love the, you know, sort of the, the, the intense, um, you know, sort of body or mouthfeel you get out of these unfiltered wines. And, you know, that experience comes from reds, not whites. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling the same way about whites when I try them out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love the, the chewy, uh, gosh, just like having a meal with a, a really good uh, uh, full-body red that, that's not been filtered. And in fact, I, I'll be honest with you, after all these years of home wine making, I, I totally enjoy uh, the, the home wine over many of my old favorite uh, uh, commercial wines, mainly for that reason. They almost, uh, I'm not going to say they're disappointing, obviously, but... Um, 
gosh, when you get used to uh, that that big full body, that big mouth here with uh, the homemade unfiltered stuff, gosh, it's easy to get used to. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there, passionate one. Hey, uh, for folks that are out there listening, uh, so today is the 29th. Uh, you're going to be back here on the ground in Pittsburgh, and I think we have a, a, a regularly scheduled show for uh, next Monday, do we not, their uh, passionate one? That would be Monday the 5th. Uh, you good to go uh, on that day? I believe you are correct, sir. All right, so you, you got the numbers right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shocker. It happens every once in a while, but we'll be back oh. October 5th. Uh, with our next show, and I do have to say from, uh, in fact, let me, um, I'm just going to open up the lines a little bit more here. Dave has been chiming in from the UK with a few websites, and he says the uh, wine production in the UK will almost double in the next six years, according to uh, industry experts, uh, uh, about three million bottles. Hey, Dave, you're calling in from, uh, all the way from uh, UK there, across the pond. Yeah, hi, hi Dave. Uh, yeah, I usually help out Randolo on the uh, new wine brands, new consumer, but I, I'm no expert at all. I'm just a, an enthusiast. Well, that's what that's what really matters. That's why we're into making wine because we're enthusiasts about drinking wine. Well, Dave, you 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 obviously haven't listened to us. You would know that we're not experts either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Zinfandel is one of my uh, favourite uh, things, and I like the old vine. Uh, Lodo's an area, though, isn't it? It's not an actual uh, type cultivation. It's actually a a place, isn't it? As far as I understand oh, it. Oh no, 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 Dave. We're, we're going to have to correct our, our friends across the pond here. Well, we're Dave, talking. The Zinfandel is a type of grape, and it became yeah. quite famous in. Uh, I realize that, but Lodo is a is an oh, actual uh, area, isn't it? Uh, yes, you're right. Lodi, uh, Lodi, Lodi is a uh, it's an area in uh, the central part of California. And and by the way, it turns out even Zinfandel isn't even though it became famous in the U.S. It's very um, similar or identical, I guess, genetically to uh, what they call in Italy the Primitivo. So uh, uh, you know, it's uh, nothing new under the sun here in the uh, the new world. Well, you, UK, Dave, now, because we have two days there, where where are you growing grapes? I'm, I'm really excited to hear about this in the UK. Well, it's unbelievable, actually. I mean, um, I don't know whether you know the geography of the UK, but, I mean, obviously, down uh, yeah, in the a, southern uh, areas. Uh, the passionate one doesn't know any geography, so, you know, just help <laughs> him out a little bit here. So spell well, it out for him. You're, you're uh, just east of Cleveland, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's the same as it's happening, I believe, in America, where you obviously even Washington State is is is, is becoming a, a big wine producer now. So even quite high, uh, far up in the north of England, uh, there are actually one or two vineyards from the, the, those uh, links I put in. Four hundred and sixteen wine growers. I mean, obviously, wow. we've always uh, had a tradition since Roman times uh, of growing grapes in the UK, but uh, usually um, our climate hasn't been that conducive to it, but it seems, as, as somebody else has said, global warming is uh, reviving it. I mean, there are some uh, sparkling white wines seems to be the thing that uh, the UK is best at producing. Of course, it can't be called champagne, but there have been an awful lot of British or English wines that have won you know, rosettes and gold medals 
uh, and uh, are highly acclaimed in, in many circles. What we call here in the U.S. sparkling wine ever since the French sued us. Uh, you know, champagne is a region in France, yeah. not a you know specific type of wine. So, you know, we're we're uh, we're watching out for those uh, those mean French guys. Well, we're thinking of naming a wine Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to go over really well. Their passion wine. Well, that that's interesting. Now, um, the the wine in uh, in the UK. Um, I have to ask you know, this question because it seems to be somewhat unique to, to the UK. You folks will call a, a, a red wine a claret, and um, I, I, I'm having a tough time finding out exactly what that means other than it's a French red wine, but is there anything more specific that you know about that day? Not really, but I mean, you Americans call the rosé a blush, so I mean, you're just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to derive the maximum, uh, you know, dollar or pound value out of the bottles that we're selling. So, you know, the more exotic the name, the yeah. more money uh, we I mean, uh, the, uh, my uh, impression of what's called, and this is a, I don't know how you pronounce it, but the claret, or claret, you can actually have a very light red, which is just under a full-bodied red that can be called a claret, can't it? I don't know if that's a different pronunciation or actually a different classification. Mm, okay. By the way, they're a passionate one. Uh, Bike and Fool 55 chimes in, uh, and this is uh, uh, Dennis uh, from Utah says, oh no, not the French, run tog. So, you know, we've, we've uh, dissed the French uh, quite a bit over the years, and uh, we really don't want to go there. No, I, the, the French just don't understand me. No, nah, they don't <laughs> understand anybody. <laughs> what, what amazes me about a lot of the French wines, and uh, uh, I mean, I do like and drink French wines, uh, they tend to prefer still what I would call the lower alcohol wines. They seem to be quite happy with their 11.5%, 12% or whatever. Well, of course, if you're a, a fan of the big Zins, uh, quite often they go up to fourteen and a half, fifteen percent. Right, and Carl actually talked about earlier the uh, sugar level coming in at uh, you know maybe at twenty-five bricks, and uh, that's going to put you up in that fourteen percent range, which is uh, quite popular for your big zins and cabs. Well, well hey, folks, uh, let, let me ask you this: what, What's a bottle of uh, of a California zin go for in the UK? Uh, um, well, there's, um, let me think, probably, uh, well, a basic one, um, eight, eight pounds, what's that, uh, $15, 12 $14, $15, but obviously yeah. you can get better qualities than that. Um, oh, that, that's not bad. I, I Ravenswood, thought... Ravenswood, uh, Old Vine Zinfandel, is probably about eight pounds. Oh, not, that's, bad. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. I, I really thought it would be more. That's That's, uh, that's not too bad. We love the Ravenswood, and uh, we probably pay, you know, pretty close to that actually here in Pennsylvania, which, uh, you know, is not one of your uh, better wine values in the states. Uh, you know, we just we don't have much competition here in the state because it's uh, controlled. Uh, by one of the actual great things about the UK is the actual range and diversity of the wines that you can actually get. Um, uh, like on uh, on Randolph's show, he had somebody in. Uh, I think it was from. 
and I get these states at Sweden, I think it was, and there the wine uh, industry is state run. And basically, you know, most of uh, the actual outlets have the same 2,000 uh, varieties of wine all over the country. Because um, if you import a wine into that country, you have to be able to provide it uh, for every outlet. Uh, you know, so it's not a question of the actual um, wine uh, uh, merchant or whatever it is uh, going out to the different countries and, uh, you know, buying so many cases of the different wines. Some people call that Sweden, others call it Pennsylvania. <laughs> exactly. I think we're sort of stuck in that same boat, uh, which is uh, quite disappointing. Uh, our, our whole state system here in PA, most of the U.S. states are far better, but uh, you know, some of us are stuck back in a uh, relatively limited uh, competitive environment where we're dealing with our state government to um, acquire alcohol. Yes. Yeah, well, not well, where you want to be. Yeah. Yes. One of the things that I find uh, quite amusing, I, I talk to a few people in America and uh, they'll go to um, uh, a wine merchant or, or whatever and they'll have uh, what you would call a, a bin-end basket or whatever. And, and uh, because the wine's three years old, they're selling it off cheap. It, here in the UK, if you want to buy a, a 2005 French vintage, you have to pay a premium for it. Yeah, yeah, wine is one of those things that, uh, as it gets older, uh, generally is more valuable. But sometimes the, uh, you know, the, the the state government doesn't really understand that that whole concept. Well, hey, folks, uh, this was a uh, sort of spur of the moment show to to tie in with Carl uh, and learn about uh, the grapes that are coming in this year. And I'm super excited based on what he said. Uh, Tog, I I can't wait to uh, get our hands on another you know, eight or 1,600 or maybe even 2,400 pounds of grapes and, you know, start crushing them and connecting with the sun and the moon and communing with the earth that, uh, you know, you you do when you're a, um, a home winemaker. Uh, yeah, this, this is obviously the, the favorite time of the year for, for home winemaking or winemakers in general, obviously, with the harvest coming. And uh, it's good to hear. It sounds like a pretty, pretty darn good report from uh, Carl and uh, not only from the vintage, but... Um, you know, it, it, this year might be a year for folks to really sort of step up to that uh, better level and quality grape. I'm so all for that. I, I uh, you know, for the small incremental price, you get such a gain in quality. And, and I mean, ultimately, making wine and sharing it with your friends is such an amazing experience. You know, why wouldn't oh, you want to go for the best, best, yeah. best quality really you get? Hey, great right. to have you get? Hey, great to have you guys back on, and thanks for having Carl on tonight. Oh, well, uh, Jerry, we're really pleased to be um, be back. And um, for anyone who's uh, listening to the recording, uh, come back and join us uh, this coming Monday, which is going to be October 5th. We'll be on the air at 9 p.m. on our typical Monday night. We're going to try to aim for you know every uh, probably fourth uh, Monday. If you want to email us, we're at uh, cellardwellers at that's plural cellardwellers at talkshoe.com. We'd love to hear from you answer your questions on the air. And by the way, we, we have had a ton of emails, which we haven't addressed tonight, but we'll we'll get to them uh, next show. And uh, if you want to you know, call in and talk to us on TalkShoe, the number is 724-444-7444, and you'll be prompted for a call ID, which is 18 pounds. That's 18 pounds. So we'd 
love to have you uh, join us live. In fact, uh, you know, I see, let, let, just before we wrap up here, I'm going to welcome, uh, I see Bikenpool has uh, joined in. Hey, how are you doing there, Bikenpool55? You with us there? Sounds like he's driving. Or riding his bike. I, I think he is. We can hear sort of that, uh, you know, that wind noise in the background. Well, hey, Bikenpool, we're not quite, able to hear you talk, although we're picking up plenty of, yeah, he's gone, uh, too bad, but uh, call back in next Monday, we'd love to talk with you, uh, he's uh, clearly uh, with you, Tog, he's not a fan of the French, uh, but um, I'd love to talk to him, so I hey, don't know, I don't know where I don't know where people get that, I love <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've scared off every French sponsor we've ever, you know, had interested in this show, uh, which they, was, they were boycotting me at the E20 in Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, there were some riots along those lines. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up the recording. We'll keep talking here for another couple minutes, but uh, let's sign off the recording here for all the folks listening on iTunes. Thanks, everybody. Я не